Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. Welcome back to Fireside Giants with your boys, Alex and Anthony. Going to give Anthony a chance to talk about Kadarius Tony for a couple minutes here because that news broke. I did a little solo episode for you guys um, about an hour ago and, man, didn't see that one coming, but not surprised. And things have only gotten a little bit more crazy over the past couple of minutes, right? So, you know, seemingly Kadarius Tony had two injured hamstrings, wasn't able to play, wasn't able to do anything, but he just tweeted out about five minutes ago, apparently he's not even freaking hurt. Literally, I don't even know what to say at this point. Um, I got dragged a couple of weeks ago for calling him out saying, you know, how are you getting injured during practice? And he's like, yo, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm kind of here like, all right, everyone's turning on this man. He's basically saying that he wasn't injured this whole time. And I'm kind of pissed off about it because the Giants needed him. We're six and one. We could be blowing teams out, not going down to the wire here. He could have been a serious impact player for this team and on a winning team for that matter. But I I don't know if the Giants were keeping him out and just saying that he was injured when he wasn't, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I don't even know if you're allowed to do that. Um, Or he was faking being injured. Now he's like, yeah, I'm not even injured anymore. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he's going to play for the Chiefs immediately, if they're going to you know, sit him for a couple of weeks. But right now, I'm really confused. Um, I think that based on the way he's reacted and, and talking to fans, um, Joe Shane made a tremendous decision trading him. And Anthony called out a couple of weeks ago, if you, if you recall, that the Chiefs made a lot of sense and he should be traded. And you know, so pat on the back for Anthony, calling that out. And seemingly, um, it's all coming to fruition now. And I want to give you a chance to kind of talk about it. Great deal by the New York Giants. I love this. And look, man, now that he's going on this Twitter tirade, calling out Alex subliminally and all the other fans and trying to make this whole big shebang with the Giants community, goodbye and good riddance. I mean, that's just what it is at the end of the day. Am I upset that I spent $100 on his jersey? No, because it says Tony on the back and my name is Tony, so I'm still going to wear it. It's still going to look cool for me personally. But I'm happy that he's gone, man. He, he was giving us nothing. His value to the New York Giants was zero. He, The Giants were getting nothing out of him as he sat on the sideline complaining about the fans every single day. And he was tweeting about random stuff during the last Giants game. The Giants were in the, intitle, in the middle of an intense match, and he's tweeting about something completely irrelevant. Like, that's just his, – his heart is not in it. Or at least it wasn't with the New York Giants. Good luck to him. Hope he has a great career with the Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe he'll be able to find his passion for football again over there. I always thought that those two made sense for each other. You know, the way that the Chiefs love to run their offense. They love those shifty receivers that make plays after the catch. That's Kadarius Tony. So maybe he does have success there. But he's not – he was not having success with the New York Giants. And it was a good move by the Giants to just get some draft value out of him. The Giants are winning right now. They're 6-1. and one, And I don't see that winning stop. I think the Giants are going to make a push into the playoffs, keep winning games. But what that does for them, it hurts their draft stock, right? Their draft pick at the most is going to be in the top 30. You know, like it's it's not going to be a top 10 or top 15 pick. It's going to be in the back half of the round. And so that means that their draft pick is going to be less valuable. So what they needed to do was offload players. A lot of a lot of fans wanted the Giants to go out there, make a trade for a wide receiver. I support that. And they still could even go ahead and do that. But I was more advocating for the fact that the Giants have two receivers that they're not even using, and they need to offload whoever gives them the most value in a trade. Because with those draft 
picks decreasing in value due to the Giants winning season. That's only going to create more of a need to gain more draft capital. And that's exactly what the Giants have done here. I saw Dan Duggan of The Athletic today tweeted that he spoke to an exec and they said at the most, the Giants probably get a fifth round pick out of Kadarius Tony. Well, they got a third round pick. So that's excellent business from Joe Shane. Proud of him. He's been killing it ever since the Giants hired him. And I think this is a great move for both parties. Kadarius Tony, he needs a change of scenery. Clearly, it just wasn't a fit here in New York. Before the New York Giants, they need some extra draft capital, and they needed to offload some talent that they weren't even using. It was, his value to us was zero, but those draft picks, those are valuable. Joe Shane will put those to work. He'll find some gems in the draft. If you don't think so, you're wrong. Joe Shane is great at drafting in the middle to late round. So I love this trade. There's my take on it. I think it was a great deal. You guys know if you've been following the podcast for a while, I've been advocating for this for a couple of weeks now. Even mentioned that the, the Chiefs were a good fit for Kadarius Tony, And I think that this is a great deal that Joe Shane got done. Love the fact that we got two draft picks out of it. Third round pick is way more than I ever imagined. And now if the Giants really want to, they can go ahead with the little draft capital that, that they have that's extra and go find another receiver to prepare for the second half of the season. Keep these wins rolling in. Keep the New York Giants cemented towards the top of the NFL. Yeah, look, I mean, a lot of people are upset about this Tony trade um, and mainly because of the talent he does have. If he is healthy and he was faking it that whole time, man, I don't even know what to say, man. That's just so disrespectful to everyone that supported him um, and had his back. And it's just a slap in the face. And, uh, you know, it's it's just a crazy situation. But nonetheless, we want to look ahead to the Seattle Seahawks. Week eight before the bye, got some injuries in tow with Evan Neal and Ben Bredesen expected to be out. Daniel Bellinger, obviously, dude has a freaking eye patch on right now. No way he's playing. Um, so we're looking at Tanner Hudson, uh, Chris Myrick. And Austin, I guess Austin Allen, he's he's back on the team now. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, what ifs on this Giants offense in terms of who starts in their place. I imagine Ben Bredesen is replaced by Josh Azudu. That's pretty straightforward. And then Tyree Phillips, uh, former third round pick out of Baltimore, is now starting in place of Evan Neal. So Hudson likely gets the start in place of Bellinger. Um, I wonder if the Giants are looking at potential tight ends to bring in with Bellinger out. That's also another thing to consider. I know Eric Ebron actually tweeted out yesterday uh, his interest to join the Giants, but we don't have much money. I think the trade for Tony only opens at about $1.2 So we only have about $3.7 million in available salary space. So we got to figure out exactly uh, who we want to go after, if we are going to go after anybody, um, and, and really how much the Giants feel as though this season we can win games. Um, and how competitive we can be towards a, a playoff berth. But, you know, Seattle Seahawks are not a bad team. They're a very, very well-coached squad. You know, uh, Pete Carroll has really turned that squad around after Russell Wilson's departure. Geno Smith is playing exceptionally well. But the really dangerous aspect of that team is Kenneth Walker and their running game. Their running game is monstrous. They're lethal. Kenneth Walker is a stud. Um, you know, put up like 120-something yards and two touchdowns last week. He was an absolute beast. Maybe more than that, honestly. Um I'm very worried about him. The Giants' run defense has been bad the last couple weeks as well. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, uh, Thibodeau, you know, Jihad Ward. I feel good about our front four, but the linebackers are just so spotty and inconsistent. Jalen Smith and Tay Crowder, one day they'll show up. The next game they'll disappear. Um, it's got to be a game where they show up. Otherwise, Kenneth Walker and the, Seah the Seahawks are going to run all over us. So to win this game, you got to have a good run defense. That is the number one thing. Force Geno Smith to beat you with his arm because they don't even have DK Metcalf. They have Tyler Lockett. Lock down Tyler Lockett. Stop the run. We can beat this Seahawks team. Um, we'll talk, you know, we'll kind of discuss their offense, how to stop that, Anthony. You know, when you're looking at this Seahawks team, um, 
Geno Smith is, is susceptible to vulnerabilities. He is a guy you can force to make mistakes. Giants have to do that, put pressure on him, and he will do he, he'll beat the Seahawks for you if you give him the opportunity. He's not that good. It's just they're they're scheming ways for him to look good, which is exactly what the Giants are doing for some of their players. Um, so you know, it's interesting to see good coaching can mask a lot of deficiencies and make guys look a lot better than they are. Um, that's not to say that, you know, I feel that way about the Giants. I think that there's a lot more talent for the Giants and some individuals than Geno Smith has. We know we know what he is, but Kenneth Walker's legit. So, you know, when you're looking at this team, how do you think that uh, the Giants can overcome their offense? So I think that it's the bend don't break defense that's been working so well for the New York Giants needs to continue to work here because the Seattle Seahawks offense actually has the ability to break some defenses and the Giants are going to have to stick true to that bend don't break. Make sure that they bend, but make sure that when that team gets down into the red zone, the Giants hold strong force them to kick a field goal and take three points. Because if you're looking at the schedule for the Seattle Seahawks, they've been in some low scoring games, a 17 to 16 win over the Broncos in week one, only put up seven points against San Francisco in week two, 23 in week three. But in week four, they beat the Detroit Lions 48 to 45 and crazy, ridiculous high scoring game. Then they lost to the Saints 32 to 39 back to back weeks of 30 plus points. And the week before that, they still did put up, uh, you know, almost 20, almost 30 points the week prior. So when you're taking a look at it, and then they're coming off of a victory right now where they won 37 to 23. So the Seattle Seahawks, yes, I know Geno Smith is not the craziest name to throw out there as far as quarterbacks go. He's not a bona fide superstar. You don't expect him to throw five touchdowns a game. But he has the ability to lead the Seahawks offense to some very high scoring games. And the Giants really might not be able to match that output right now. I have The Giants haven't scored 30 points in a game yet. All the games that they've been in have been very close. Come from behind victories that the Giants are winning because of their defense. Ben don't break defense. And then the offense makes some clutch plays down the stretch to get the team in position to win. That's the strategy. And that's that needs to continue to be the strategy. Because if the Seahawks start putting up a lot of points... I don't trust the Giants to go out there in a shootout and come away with the win. Now, it could happen. I'm not going to say that there's no chance the Giants win a shootout. I would love to see the Giants win a shootout, prove that they can do it both ways, right? But the winning formula for the Giants has been keeping the opposing offense in check, keeping their scoring down, and then responding with safe, conservative, winning football. And that's going to continue to be the formula. That's what they have to do this Sunday against the Seahawks. That's what they're going to have to do for the rest of the Sundays and Thursdays, Saturdays, and Mondays that they have on their schedule. Okay, so going up against the Seahawks, number one thing, you don't allow them to crack 30 points. When they crack 30 points, you're kind of screwed. So for the Giants, again, with the inability right now to score 30 points, I'm sure it's some point this season they'll do it and maybe this is the game where they do it I don't know but really the key to beating the Seahawks don't let them score 30 points Ben don't break defense and make sure that you're capitalizing on your opportunities when you have the ball on offense yeah I mean look screw 30 points we got to keep them under 20 points you know <laughs> Giants Giants losing some offensive pieces does not make this any easier um but I'll tell you what the Seahawks have one of the worst run defenses in football so they actually are worse than the Giants in terms of run defense. The Giants have the fifth worst run defense and the, the Seahawks have the fourth worst run defense. So we have an advantage there, right? How do you maximize that? You're looking at Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley at over 220 yards on the ground last week, um, you know, in the win over Jacksonville. So a lot of bootlegs, a lot of design reads for Daniel Jones, a lot of RPOs for Saquon Barkley and Wandale and Darius Slayton are going to have to step up again, right? I mean, they have like a, average defense by most accounts probably below average there i don't even think their pass coverage is that good either um we can expose them on, on multiple fronts our so what i like to say is because their run defense is so bad we actually our offensive system plays really well into that right because if we run the ball effectively 
Um, and we set this, t- we set the tone with Saquon and DJ on the ground, maybe even Matt Breda. Um, you can start to roll in those creative bootlegs, those creative play action, and they're going to be totally overwhelmed. I dare them to, to stack the box, uh, you know, and stop the run against us because we're going to destroy them on the play action. That's what the Bears did. Bears tried to stack the box and and and, and stop us uh, with overwhelming the middle of the field and overwhelming people down near the line of scrimmage, and we just bootlegged and play action on the whole game and just absolutely destroyed them. They couldn't even adjust. Daniel, Daniel Jones had two rushing touchdowns in that game. So, you know, you're looking at how the Giants can attack them offensively. Stick to their game plan, man. Stick to what they've been doing. That's exactly what they have to do, and they can beat the Seahawks team pretty handily. If the run defense plays well and the Giants stick to their game plan, this can be an easy win for the Giants. And that's not to say it's going to be because every game is tough for the Giants, um, especially, you know, right now where a lot of fourth quarter come from behind wins. But when you're looking at who's got to step up in this game, in my opinion, obviously Daniel Jones, he's been playing great. Hopefully he continues that stretch. Uh, Saquon Barkley and my other guys, Wondell Robinson. Those three guys right there, those are the ones I think stand out in this game, help us get the dub and help us put 20, 25 plus points on the board. What are your thoughts on uh, how the offense can kind of step up? I mean, I think that's exactly it. Daniel Jones needs to continue to play at a high level. Obviously, this past week, NFC Offensive Player of the Week, a great performance, ran for over 100 yards. First time a Giants quarterback has done that since 1946. Spectacular performance from Daniel Jones. Kept the ball out of harm's way, delivered some passes downfield when he needed to, but mainly produced on the ground, playing conservative, keeping the ball clean. And that's what he needs to continue to do. Again, the Giants are only going to lose games when they beat themselves. And the problem here is that when you're going up against the Seahawks, the Seahawks team, again, that has the ability to score over 40 points in a game, you can't beat yourself. You can't give them extra opportunities, turn the ball over, give them an extra possession to go score a touchdown because they just might capitalize on that. So for the New York Giants and for Daniel Jones, the offense needs to run through him and he needs to continue to play this clean winning football. That's the key here. And Daniel Jones, again, he's playing really well right now. And so is Wandale Robinson. I just picked him up in my fantasy league. I think he's about to kill it for the second half of the season. I think he's a perfect pickup. If you're playing fantasy, you need a receiver, you need a little depth there, go get Wandale Robinson because his target share in the Giants offense is actually absurd. He's getting so many targets. No, he's not getting a bunch of downfield uh, targets and he's not, you know, involved in the deep passing game for the Giants offense, but everything short and underneath they're giving him the ball and they're designing a lot of plays for him to get the ball short and underneath so he can turn up field and create some yards after catch. And that's going to continue to be a staple in the Giants offense for the rest of the season and hopefully across the next few years with Wandale Robinson continuing to develop alongside Daniel Jones and the rest of the Giants offense and especially the play caller. So I love what Wandale Robinson is bringing to the offense right now. I think he's the spark plug that they needed. It's exactly what the Giants were missing with Kadarius Toney not in the lineup. They needed that shifty slot receiver underneath to make those plays, and now they have it, and it's exactly what the Giants offense was missing. So I love what Wandale is bringing to the game. Love what Daniel Jones is doing right now, and of course, Saquon Barkley. He's dominating. Let him continue to eat. Keep giving him the 25 carries a game and letting him be the workhorse running back that he's blossomed into this year. You keep doing all that stuff, and the Giants can keep winning games. Of course, injuries are going to play a part. We're missing some players in the receiving department. Daniel Bellinger being out definitely does hurt, but if you continue to run the offense through Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, keep the ball on the ground, keep the ball safe and out of harm's way, that's the winning formula for the Giants on offense. That's going to continue to prepare Propel them to victories for the rest of the season. 
Absolutely. You know, if you guys have been around here for long enough, you know, I'm a huge fan of Wondell Robinson, huge fan of his, um, you know, last week got a little bit banged up in the second half, got, got his junk stepped on. Can't, can't really determine when that's going to happen. Uh, so, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. It's not like he's, you know, pulling all his hamstrings and then, and then some more that we didn't even know he had. Uh, so, you know, I feel pretty good about Wondell. Um, I think that the spark plug it, that he contains is something that's going to change the dynamic of this Giants offense moving forward, right? You look at what Darius Slayton has. You know, he's a straight line runner. You know, he can really do some damage on crossers. He's got the speed. He's got the juice. Um, and that's been valuable. You know, he drops some passes every now and then. And, you know, the Giants have kind of had to just come to terms with that because he is a big threat downfield and stretches a defense. Um, and then you have Saquon Barkley, who just garners so much attention. Daniel Bellinger, really good uh, red zone, really good security blanket. But Wandale is like that one size fits all, right? He was, I think he ranked uh, sixth in deep in deep uh, targets downfield during his final collegiate season. He ranked third in screen passes. You can use him as a gadget player. You can use him in so many different ways, jet sweeps. Uh, RPOs, you can use him on slants, on crosses, on deep, on deeps, on screens, on anything. You know, he can do it all. And he doesn't go down that easily, right? For a small guy, he's strong. And what I like about him the most is that he gives 100% maximum effort every play. That's something the Giants have had to freaking battle with. Why do you think David Sills plays at all? Because he gives 100% maximum effort. Brian Dable and Mike Kafka would rather start guys who actually give a shit than guys who aren't going to go 100%. And that's kind of what we just saw with KT being traded. You know, he did not give 100%. He did not care. The fact that he just tweeted that he's healthy is in clear indication he did not care, right? He did not care. He even tweeted, anyone that's sad, I don't care. Anyone that's sad that I'm leaving, I don't care. Like, I mean, talk about not a good culture fit. The fact that Shane, Shane, Shane got a freaking... Uh, third and sixth round pick is tremendous for a guy that didn't want to be on the Giants. So, you know, looking at Wandale, he wants to be on the Giants. He wants to be a winner. He puts 100% maximum effort every play, and that stand, that stands out. You can see that on the field. He wants to be out there. Um, and with that being said, his role is going to expand week over week. He played like 50% of snaps in his second week back from the MCL sprain, 23% in the first week. And then he got stepped on. He would have played a lot more if he would have been healthy for that second half there. Um, if he's ready to go this week, I'm actually starting him in fantasy over Michael Pittman because, you know, Matt Ryan just got benched. And Ellinger, I don't even know who the hell that is really or what he offers. Not that good. I think former Texas quarterback, I believe. I don't really trust him at all. So I'm going with Wandell because I'm in the PPR league and he's going to get me some receptions, six receptions last week. He's going to get so many catches, man. If you're if you're thinking about starting him, I would do it because not only is he going to be a, a good PPR receiver, but the Giants are already utilizing him in the red zone. He had a touchdown in week one. They're going to get him involved, expect him to be heavily utilized. So I'm a really big fan of Wandale. I think he's going to be a stud, and I'm going to kind of you know commit to that take because uh, I've seen what he can do. I've seen the flash, and Daniel Jones is a really accurate quarterback when it's, all, when it's all said and done. He doesn't miss the mark very often, so I'm not overly concerned about that small frame, that small uh, wingspan um, you know, that some have mentioned. But you know, I, I kind of think that that rounds it out. I think Wandale, Saquon, uh, Daniel Jones, they're going to get it done. That's that's who needs to step up in this game. Um, we know Andrew Thomas is a beast. I'm not really concerned about him. Azudu is another guy I think needs got to step up because rookie there, pretty solid run blocker. Um, not the best in terms of pass pro just yet, but he's getting there. You know, how are your thoughts? What are you thinking about the offensive line right now? You know, having some plug and play guys, definitely a little bit of a concern. Um, but I think that I'm pretty confident that we're going to be okay. They have some decent pass rushers on the interior and exterior. Uh, I think uh, they have Boya Math, they have uh, Nwosu, they have Quinton Jefferson. 
Um, they have some guys, uh, Daryl Taylor, they have some, some talented individuals, but I think that, um, you know, the offensive line is good enough that right tackle spots, just a little bit of a concern for me. So what are your thoughts about that? I mean, it's definitely a concern until we get Evan Neal back, but to be completely honest, Evan Neal wasn't playing the best football beforehand. He's been struggling, having his rookie growing pains. Honestly, this injury right here gives him a few weeks off. Maybe he can regroup, just hit the film room, learn, study the tape, come back even stronger than before. That's what I'm hoping for from this. I hope that it's kind of one of those situations that, you know, looks pretty bad on the surface, but we pull some silver linings out of it. And I'm trying to be optimistic with it because, no, I'm not happy that Evan Neal's out of the lineup. I think that he can be a major impact. He's a force to be reckoned with. And all of those snaps are very valuable for him to continue to develop in the NFL. But again, having those couple weeks off, letting him hit the film room, study, learn, light practice, I think he might come back stronger than ever before. And I'm really excited to see that. I think, you know, a little break here, Evan Neal returns to the lineup, might actually start to have that breakout, those breakout games towards the second half of the season that we were hoping for. But of course, as you mentioned, right tackle, backup playing there, definitely a concern. Ben Bredesen likely out for extended time. That's also a concern. But at least Nick Gates is maybe going to return soon. And I think that's valuable. Having Nick Gates at least on the team on Sundays, on the sideline, hyping up the boys, being with the squad, that's huge. I mean, he is just a leader amongst men in that locker room, and he always has been. He wore the Catholic patch last year for a reason. Of course, the devastating injuries kept him sidelined for far too long. His career was basically over at a time, but now he's back. And I think that story is enough to inspire people to go out there, play alongside Nick Gates, play for him, play with him, and get some more wins. I think that's inspiring enough for his, for his teammates. But again, Nick Gates is healthy. He's ready. He can go out there and play football again. So if there's any more injuries on the offensive line, there's one person that we know can play anywhere on the offensive line. Literally left tackle, left guard, right guard center, and right tackle. Nick Gates has played every single position at one point or another in his career. So I think that's very valuable now, especially with the Giants being down a couple guys on the offensive line. He can be a spark plug. He can go in there like Wondell Robinson did. Go in there, rejuvenate the boys on the offensive line, and just give us some decent reps. Am I expecting a lot from Nick Gates when he's on the field? No. But the leadership, you know, the the quality of character and the inspiration just to have him on the field. I'm sure if if he makes his debut in MetLife Stadium, it'll be a standing ovation when he hits the field. Even if it's late in the third quarter and it's for an injury, a significant injury, if that is the case, there's still going to be a standing ovation for Nick Gates just to make that comeback. So, I think that having him on the active roster is just something to be, you know, to take value from for the Giants, for those players who are looking for that extra inspiration to keep pushing, keep grinding out this long season and get those wins. But am I concerned about the offensive line? Of course I am. But thankfully, I think we're going up against an opponent that doesn't have too insane of a pass rush. I think the Giants can manage here. And the main takeaway from the offensive line is that they're doing enough to let Saquon Barkley eat. He's getting 20 plus carries a game. Daniel Jones is getting a bunch of carries as well, and he's getting a ton of rushing yards. The Giants offensive line can just continue to create those creases for Saquon or continue to seal off those gaps for Daniel Jones to get around the edge. That's all they got to do because that's how the Giants are playing offense right now. They're playing it on the ground through Daniel Jones and through Saquon Barkley. So the run blocking has been solid enough, and I assume that it will continue to be, and the Giants offense will continue to roll the same way it has been despite these injuries because of that. Absolutely, my friends, but I'd love to hear your perspectives and opinions below in the comment section, whether it's KT, whether it's the Seahawks, how you think the Giants can overcome in week eight and go into the bye with a seven and one record. Goodness gracious. I mean, that's just incredible. I think that's something to harp on and really be excited about. Uh, hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your Thursday. Enjoy Friday tomorrow. We'll be back on the channel tomorrow, of course, as always. Got you guys covered with any pressing and relevant news. 
um, on the daily. So enjoy the rest of your day. Make sure to like, subscribe as always. We'll catch you guys on the next Fireside Giants episode.